Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Warning. The first 40 miles of your trip, Carl will be your BFF. But the second 40, he'll be your worst nightmare. What's going on, B&B? This is Derek, and with me today is the only man to eat more than 40 pigs in a blanket. Under 40 miles, under 40 days, Carl Andrioli. It's all about 40 today, Carl. Do you know why? What's going on? Eat pigs in a blanket under 40 miles, under 40 days. That does not make sense whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) My goal is to have you think about it, and you did. Lacking grammar there. Okay. With me today is Derek Somerville, <laughs> a man who still regrets turning 40 20 years later. Hilarious. That was, uh, that was good. That was good. 40. We yeah, got it. 40. Uh, yeah. We got the yep. first 40. This is, uh, this is a legendary, the pioneers of podcasting on today. Yes. Pioneers of backpacking podcasting specifically. Backpacking podcasting. Yeah. Not this, podcast. I, yeah, this is really for, you know, all the fans out there that just have you know, have a history of listening to backpacking podcasts and for some that still are downloading their podcasts, even though they haven't been producing for over a year now. So mm. almost a year and a half, I guess. Yeah. And we, it took some doing, but we got a hold of them and they were awesome. Yeah. Tra- yeah. Tracked them down. Tracked, Tracked them, down. them down. Yeah. So I got, I got a question for you, Derek. Yeah. So have you ever done something like this could be backpacking related or not where you're like you know what let's get let's get together let's go do something together with somebody else and let's go how about we do this wednesday night and then the person's like "Ooh, i can't do it wednesday night how about thursday and you are busy on thursday but whatever that task is you really want to make it happen so you rearrange some things and you're like okay i can make it happen on thursday and then they don't show up like you you planned around them. You change your schedule, and they don't show up. Have you ever had that happen before? You should defriend that person because I know this will <laughs> this will backfire on me because this is you talking about me. And no, I'm uh, just I'm just asking in general here. I'm not sure why you're applying to yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Do we not know you by this point? Season three, we know Carl. Uh, yeah, it was a travesty. Carl did the interview. I was not able to make it, which I and you are sad about. Probably more so you, mm-hmm. um, but you did a great you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more so you. you. You did a really good job. It was a great interview, and I have a yeah. lot of uh, feedback to chat with you about. So okay, uh, well, yeah. by telling me that I did a great job, you're trying to sidestep the issue here. Yes, which yes, is, I am. Yes, yeah, 
which is that Derek simply overslept the interview. I did. So, yeah. And we planned around you, buddy. We planned around you. Everybody rearranged for me, and I ruined everybody's plans. So, right. Point the fingers. Correct. Point the fingers. I deserve it. Is it safe to say this probably won't be the last time this happens? Um, you never know with me. I am an enigma. Right. So, right. You know. Everybody has a friend like Derek out there, right? <laughs> Wonderful, right. kind. Sleepy, <laughs> sleepy. We are sleepy, but worth it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so we, yeah, so obviously you were in for this interview. You got a chance to listen to it. And yeah, um, yeah so, but first we have the Bible verse of the episode Exodus 24 18. Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he went up to the mountains. And Moses was on the mountain. For how long, Derek? 40 days. 40 days and 40 and nights. And 40 nights. A lot, of, a lot of 40s in the Bible, so that was one I picked out. Uh, in this circumstance, do you think Moses was an ultralight hiker? Mm, I'm going to say supreme light. I'm going to go supreme. Yeah. Do you I'm tell? supreme. Why? Well, I think when you're that close to the Lord, I'd like to think the Lord will... Uh, you know, give you some snacks, you know? <laughs> hook you up on the trail, give you a little manna from heaven, so to speak. Right. You know, I, I could see Moses just trudging up there with like a, a robe, some sandals, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe a little water pouch or something. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Okay. Oh, I, what do you think? I think that you are focusing on one half of the journey, the way up, and I would agree with you. Mm. But the way down, he's carrying some some rocks, some stones, some tablets, right? Ten Commandments, oh, yes, yes. and those I You're think are pretty heavy. So those were those were beastly. Yeah, I don't think he. Had, I, would, I would imagine. Yeah, I think he was carrying them in his arms. I don't think he had a fanny pack to strap them to. So uh, I'm gonna say he was halfway an ultralight hiker. You don't think down. God was like, "I'll give you a little supernatural strength for the way down," or maybe not. He might have. We'll never know. Well, maybe we'll never whether know. he had the yeah. strength or not doesn't change the weight. Can of the well, items. let me ask you this: Can you go back up on the mountain today? And see if there's any like drag marks. You know, like was he, drag- <laughs> drag- was he dragging them? Some petrified drag marks. Petrified drag marks. Uh, <laughs> petrified I think he drag- had more reverence for, at least initially, he had more reverence. He's like, look, God, minutes. I want to, I want to obey all ten, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna drag these down, man. Yeah. These are, t- these are, these are tough. Yeah, I think, I think, um, you know, you wander in the wilderness for four years. I think you're pretty tough, so I think you can handle that. Uh. We got a lot to chew on today. Okay, let's yes. And so without further ado, here it is, the first 40 miles. So I am here with Heather and Josh. How's it going? Great. Great. How are you doing, Carl? Doing great. Hoping that uh that Derek will jump in here at some point, but just happy to chat with you guys. And this is not your first interview like post podcast, <laughs> right? Like you guys we're on uh, Trust the Trail recently. Is that correct? We were. Was that in February, I think? Yeah, yeah, before things got crazy. So, before yeah. Before things got crazy. <laughs> Crazier. <right>. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thanks for coming on a second show. We really appreciate that. And we didn't want to do any crossover information. So, if, if um, you want to find out what these guys are up to and kind of like what life is like post podcast, I think that's the episode to hit. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, we could even okay. make up stuff for this podcast to make it completely oh. new. Completely <laughs> new. Like. Uh, we are open to that for sure. <laughs> that happens all the time between Derek and I, so that will work. Uh, all right, so just to kind of just, yeah, just to jump around a little bit, um, I think a lot of the people that listen to our show 
uh, listen to your show and they listen to your show first because you guys are kind of the pioneers with, you know, having an awesome backpacking podcast. So, so some of these things, I'm not sure if they came out during your, your show or not, but I just, I just figured, you know, let's just do a rundown for those that, that have or have not listened to you. Let's just get to know you a little bit with some rapid fire questions. So, so here we go. Based on all your backpacking experience, what ends up being both of your favorite snacks? I always bring Jelly Belly jelly beans on the trail because mm, there's like 40 yep. flavors or more. And then I play this little game on the trail where I just try and guess what flavor I put in my mouth. It's How good are you? Silly little trail. I'm so good. Yeah? I'm really good. Yeah. I've had a lot of experience with jelly beans <laughs> in my life. <laughs> okay. That is... That's interesting. All right. Go ahead. Josh, go ahead. And my favorite is the coconut curry cashews. It's in Heather's trail grazing book. Okay. It's this nice mix of sweet and uh, spicy. It's got some uh, black pepper in it too. And just uh, love them. Okay. And because we live next to a hazelnut orchard, I'll sometimes just substitute out hazelnuts instead of cashews. Right on. Right mm. on. Yeah, I could. I have to try that. That's awesome. Um, I'm with you on the jelly bellies. I've definitely, you get, you've got to be eating them one at a time, right? To do yes. this the, oh, the yes, flavor yeah. challenge. Okay. Yeah. I usually save them for like the uphill sections where I just need to kind of, you know, have things to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm not good at the guessing though. Like if it's something like cinnamon, I'm pretty good, but if it's just a general sweet flavor, like cherry or tutti frutti, like <laughs> that gets me. So, oh yeah. Sometimes I'll like start to chew it and then I'll be like, Hey, hey, come here. And I'll have a kid come over, you know, one of our kids. Yeah. Be like, what color is in my mouth right now? What color is this? <laughs> Can you examine this partially chewed <laughs> jelly belly and tell me what this is? <laughs> wait, wait, is it pink or is it pink with blue dots? Because there's a difference. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Uh, favorite movie or documentary related to backpacking? Okay. This one might catch you a little bit it's the sound of music the last two (laughs) minutes the last two minutes with maria and captain von trapp and their seven adorable children headed Mm -hmm. into the hills they don't have any packs but they are the cutest thing and i've had that vision burned in my memory since i was you know like three years old or something just seeing them go through the hills all in a straight line and just that feeling you know and the music swells and it's like so dramatic and i don't know i love that image and so i don't know i think that's a really fun even though it's technically not backpacking it's it's still that same feeling i love it it's outdoor related i'll count that yeah Okay, Josh, what you got? Well, the funny thing is the first thing that came to mind was Disney's The Parent Trap. (laughs) um, A a few years ago, I I came across a YouTube channel called Adventure Archives. Uh, And these guys, it's a group of, I don't know, three or four guys that go out on backpacking trips. Oh, wait, I think I've seen that one. What I like about it is that um, it's very relatable. Uh, they're not kind of drumming up the adventure. This isn't like a reality TV show <laughs> where there's dire right. stuff happening or whatever, or they're you know right. falling off a mountainside or something. It's just a a backpacking trip the way that I would experience a backpacking trip. Yeah, I think they do a lot with like the cinematography, right? Is that correct? Where they really okay. they do, yeah, yeah. So I think I came across them recently, um, and it was like, yeah, wow, they're really bringing a lot of camera gear out there. I think one guy was hiking with like a fully extended tripod. 
Just he's like, I'm just ready to capture the moment at any moment. So that's that's, that's impressive. Um, just from what I gather, it sounds like you over the years have gone, you've hit a lot of different trails. You, you've had a lot of backpacking experience. And so for you, what's the most memorable trail or the one that you kind of have the fondest memories relating to? Okay, those are two different questions. Two are they? Because <laughs> there are memorable. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Is Are you are you likening memorable to like not a good memory then? <laughs> no, actually the memorable that I picked was an incredible memory. But then okay. I just remembered this one, our very first family backpacking trip. Oh boy. Where um, <laughs> like, it just started pouring. It was oh, yeah. so wet. And we were trying to set up the tents as fast as we could and the kids were just you know piling in the tent as fast as they could and then the zipper broke on the tent and water was just pouring in all night and the zipper broke what what brand was that oh it was like um shopco shopco okay like gotcha. a ten dollar <laughs> ten foot by ten foot tent i mean it was so cheap it was like we had no gear when we first started um, yeah, it's just like a starter tent exactly yeah. no but my okay. very favorite favorite memory was my very first real like a backpacking trip. It was the Timberline Trail. It's what our podcast is named after. The first 40 miles. It's a 40 mile trail around okay. Mount Hood. Yeah. And as we were coming down the very first day, we were walking downhill for miles, it seemed like. And we came down into this area and I looked up and there was Ramona Falls, which is literally the most beautiful waterfall I've seen. And that that says a lot because my mom was a waterfall collector when I was growing yeah. up. We went on lots of little waterfall waterfall hikes in Washington State, but okay. the Ramona Falls is breathtaking, and uh, I saw it at the very end of my very first day backpacking, and it was, I would say, one of the things that got me hooked. So yeah, and then in the Timberline Trail, I've done some like that's on my list of trails to hit. There's quite a few like treacherous stream crossings depending yeah. on the time you go, right? Yeah, there there are lots of them. Is that one of them? The the waterfall um, you have to cross up that? No, that just no, it was just there. <laughs> I don't think okay. did we cross anything the first day? Well, like Ramona Falls uh, was just a small stream and it had a log uh, bridge over yeah. it. But uh, yeah. then later on, you get to these rivers yeah. that are uh, coming off of glaciers. And depending on the time of day, if you hit it in the morning, it might be pretty easy. And right. uh, there were some, the, there were some though, where uh, as we were figuring out our crossing, we could see the water rising. And see, you know, a rock that we might lose, and then five <laughs> yeah. minutes later, that rock is under. Oh my gosh, that's disconcerting, right there. Yeah, because the sun was hitting the glaciers, and throughout the right. day, more and more water starts coming off. And we were traveling with a group of what about eight people? It was a pretty mm -hmm. large group, and so okay. we were all trying to get across together. And getting a group that size across together, and you know, throwing packs over to each other, it was like a it was an ordeal every time we crossed a river. And I'm really grateful that we had that group. Um, because I, I, I had never crossed a river like that before. You don't just right, plink right. your feet through and, you know, get a little bit wet. You are jumping on rocks, trying to avoid this rushing torrent of glacial runoff. It's, it's really dramatic. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. I've seen, yeah, I've seen some of those crossings and, um, yeah, to me, I like, I don't know. I'm not the most sturdy person. <laughs> I don't have the best balance. And so I always think, yeah, I'd want at least trekking poles, if not some sort of a, you know, parachute cord line going across to, yeah. to guide me. And, and I'll send somebody else first to, to make sure that it's set up. 
That's a good one. All right. So yeah. So so waterfall, memorable waterfall on the Timberline Trail. Josh, is that is that the same for you, or do you have a different one? Yeah, the Timberline Trail trip overall is most memorable to me, and it is in part because of the scenery that we saw, because of the crazy rivers that we had to cross. Uh, the the Elliot Wash was just absolutely mm-hmm. crazy. Uh, now there's a new trail, a new bridge in that section. But when we went about five years ago, it was. Uh, really quite treacherous. Um, but I think the main reason Timberline is such a memory for me is because it was Heather's experience that that sparked this new interest in backpacking. She was invited to mm. go on this trip only a week before we were scheduled to go. So I, I was okay. preparing for it all summer. And, uh, and then, oh, yeah, the Saturday before the trip, uh, we're at a wedding reception and our hike leader, Steve, uh, somehow gets a hold of Heather and says, "Hey, you should come on this trip with us." <laughs> okay, was it already like you know, girls and guys going, or was it all guys? Yeah, or? yeah, there were a couple other girls going. One okay. of my friends and her mom, they were going. Um, Five guys and two girls, and yeah. then and then the two of us. Um, so for whatever reason, she said, "Yeah." I want to do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that um, the next Monday, I was like, "Well, okay, you need to see if you're going to like this concept of spending hours hiking with a backpack on." Right. So fill up my backpack with a couple sacks of flour and go find a road or a trail somewhere near town, and come back in a few hours and tell me what you think. <laughs> right. And uh, she survived, and she came back. She made it. She wanted to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll carry so, this flower out on the trail if need be. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. So the Timberline Trail trip was me seeing like this whole new aspect of Heather that I had not seen in the 15 years that we'd been married. Okay. 50, oh, so you'd been married 15 years at that point. Yeah, that's big time. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And to see her uh, just out there, you know, crossing these big rivers and, and figuring out um, how to live out of just what you've got in the backpack and, and making do with, with everything there. And then seeing the excitement that it sparked in her and, you know, writing down notes all the time. <laughs> she always writes notes on backpacking trips or takes yeah. notes, you know, little ideas and things. And, right. and of course, then that is the whole experience that started the podcast just a right. couple months later. Um, so that's my most memorable trip. So yeah, and I bet those notes helped for the for the podcast itself. Obviously, oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the um, last one I got for you. For, this is supposed to be rapid fire. I don't think that I was doing a good job <laughs> keeping that pace, but whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So so biggest backcountry fear, whether that's like a legitimate big big fear or small fear, however you describe it. What's what's the one thing you're concerned about? For me, it's definitely sounds in the middle of the night. It doesn't mm. even matter if it's like. A small sound or a big sound or whatever it's just like those little cracks those little twig snaps just terrify me and it's yeah. usually just the first night because okay. by the second night i'm so exhausted from not having slept the first night that right, i just right. sleep right through it the, so strange sounds are <laughs> you're not alone yeah. with that one for sure oh yeah and when we first tried uh camping tentless we thought boy that's gonna magnify that mm. fear it actually had the opposite effect. Right. Uh, it was strange. Like the fact that you cannot see what's making the noise and you know you can't see it because your tent mm-hmm. is surrounding you somehow adds to the psychological effect right. of it. Right. And when we tried camping with no tent, we were really surprised that 
hey, you could just open your eyes and look around and see that there is not, in fact, a bear standing five feet right. away from you. Right. Making right. <laughs> and you just go yeah, back to sleep. 100%. No, I, yeah, and I actually challenged Derek to go tentless because we're going to be going into bear country where there's like known bears that are going to try to take our food. And I was like, let's go tentless. That way we can, you know, at least we're already out of the tent. We can just kind of go scare the bear off in the middle of the night. And it's easier. But um, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. So tentless, yeah, good good strategy if you can handle, especially if the weather's you know nice or if you're bringing a tarp, I guess. My biggest fear is some kind of physical, you know, illness or injury on the trail, mm. especially if I'm miles away from any access point. Okay. Um, and from time to time, it has happened. Uh, luckily, it hasn't been anything too severe. Right. But when we did uh, seventy miles on the Pacific Crest Trail with our friend Steve a couple summers ago. Uh, about Wednesday, my left knee started hurting just out of the blue. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, you know, we've still got like 30 miles to go. How am I going to do this? Right. Uh, but I made it. Uh, uh, okay. I needed some ibuprofen the next day. And then after okay. that, I was I was okay. But I did kind of have to adapt and figure out what was the best uh, kind of step to use to uh, not... Uh, trigger the pain as much. Um, but that's, that's the thing that worries me. Or if, you know, if someone in our group were to have like a heart attack or something, boy, what would you do? Yeah. Yeah, It's just, yeah. Do you bring like a, like a Garmin in reach or something like that? We usually bring our ham radios with us. Ham radios. Yeah. So nothing to contact the outside world, mostly just to keep in touch with our, with each other. Yeah. It's, it's rare that we have access to a repeater. If, if, if there's a repeater okay. in the area, then we program that into our radios and we can uh, contact the outside world that way. But uh, that's rare. Usually you're just down in, you know, surrounded by mountains and you just can't get out. Yeah, I've been challenged a couple of times uh, just to bring the, the in-reach, especially if I'm bringing kids along on the trip. And I just have not been able to pull the trigger on the, the price on that one. So, Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing. Good, good to kind of catch up, just kind of overview of some, we got some experience in there. Uh, transitioning now to a different question. So you are working on a farm, right? That's, <laughs> yes. Oh, I guess you it's, could say so. Uh, yeah, we, that's that's how I would describe it, at least compared to, yeah. And so you're tending, like you've got sheep on your farm. And so mm-hmm. my question is, if you're if you're on a farm of sorts and you're tending sheep, are you now making your own backpacking socks? <laughs> <laughs> we we actually have hair sheep, which is a breed of sheep that technically has wool, but okay. it's not really the kind of, it's not like merino wool. Gotcha. They shed themselves. They don't need to be sheared. Um, so no, we're not making okay, our own no, so- no socks. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did have wool sheep we did have that wool we just sheep. sold and we did shear them before we sold them. Mm-hmm. And okay. we are just making a wool poof. It's just like a big ball. Yeah, <laughs> something to put in our family room so we can sit on it. But oh, yeah, okay. gotcha. Yeah. yeah, I was just envisioning like this new branding of these like first forty miles socks, like the logo so on like the toe area or something. Hand right. uh, <laughs> shorn wool from our raised yeah. sheep. Right, right. right. <laughs> um, I know it's not always about backpacking, but I had to relate it back there. Okay. <laughs> You've had, like I mentioned before, you had a lot of experience on the trail, been in a lot of different places. So kind of what are, what are some of your three takeaways or three things you wish you knew when you were, were starting to backpack aside from don't bring a $10 tent, but beyond that, <laughs> you know, back to what you asked about our fears that really kind of, um, just was making me think about 
how I managed fear and how I still manage fear on the trail. Um, my very first backpacking trip, you know, around the Timberline Trail, I just found myself feeling those kind of anxious feelings and instinctively doing things like breathing or listen, like, you know, intentional breathing. Right. Not breathing, but, um, <laughs> right, right, right. but listening to music, that was really helpful. Every once in a while, I would grab a sprig of fir, just like a fir tree and okay. just smell it. And that calmed me down. But these weren't things that I was doing because I read them in a book. It was just because when I did them, I felt more calm. Okay. Um, but, you know, those fears creep up on the trail and sometimes they're rational. Sometimes they're completely irrational. Like still, when I go out on the trail, I always worry, do I have enough food? Like, mm -hmm. is this going to last me? Am I going to starve on the trail? Am right. I going to have to, you know, eat grass or I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess one of the things I wish I knew was how to manage fear better. And But it sounds like you have some, yeah, some tactics now. Like, so you would have just told your yeah. former self, just like, you know, try the breathing or try just kind of soaking in the environment a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just calm down. Everything's going to be okay. And I mean, we've even encountered people on the trail who have run out of food right. and there's always a backpacker that has an extra mountain house right. or something. So really it's, it's okay. And also it's okay to be hungry. So some of those fears end up being irrational and mm -hmm. I wish I would have just known don't waste time being afraid. Just plan the best you can and then relax. This is supposed to be an enjoyable experience. Right, right. Well, did you feel like the size of the group that you were with uh, impacted just the amount of those feelings you had? Like, for example, if there's more people, there's likely going to be extra food or there's more safety, Ooh. safety numbers kind of a thing. Or, that is or was a really that... great question. Yeah, I definitely feel safety in numbers. Okay. Yeah. So that first trip, I mean, even though I did experience some fears, yeah, I knew that there were people there who could support me. And and we've even talked about some of those fears, like uh, the fear with wildlife, you know, a cougar or a bear approaching. <laughs> yeah. And and as we've talked about those, you know, we look at the research and when you have a group of like five people, mm -hmm. it's very unlikely that you're going to be approached or attacked by one of those animals. Right. And so we go out with a, a hiking group or we take our kids with us. Uh, there is a, a bit of that feeling of safety in numbers that way, too. Oh, well, to be honest, some of those fears are actually kind of exciting. Like <laughs> we went <laughs> on a hike on New Year's Day and oh, we yeah. thought we saw cougar prints in Ooh. the mud. And we were like, oh, my goodness, this is so exciting. But <laughs> also a little bit terrifying. And like, I don't know, sometimes fear can be I don't know, exciting. So as long as it doesn't paralyze right. you. So that's the only thing. For sure. I mean, that's what makes it an adventure, right? Is is the right. fact that there's some uncertainty there and yeah. there's, yeah, that's the, yeah, the more uncertainty, the more adventurous it becomes. But <laughs> with the mountain lion thing, yeah, that I think a lot of people have that fear. I've been solo on trails, more, more with trail running and for years and years and we have mountain lions even around our house and i've never seen one so <laughs> not to say they haven't seen me but i have not <laughs> seen one myself all right joss what, what you got yeah we've got a few things um i started backpacking when i was 12 years old and so to my 12 year old self i would have told myself to go light mm. question you know what right. i need to put into my pack and that the more that I could lighten it up, the more I would be able to enjoy 
the trip. Did you feel like it was a struggle when you were 12? Like you're like, this is not fun. My pack's too heavy. This is hard. I, I have a hard time remembering exactly how I felt about my pack weight. Um, but okay. I just know that, in, in fact, we talked about this in one of our podcast episodes. The, uh, so I went backpacking as a Boy Scout. And then we got into backpacking you know, later in life and started the podcast and really got into uh, lightening our load a lot. And then when we would come across uh, scout troops out on a backpacking trip, we would see like these huge packs <laughs> just bulging with stuff and, you know, everything oh, looked yeah. so heavy. Uh, right. And so it, it made me realize just how far I had come from where I started as a Boy Scout. That's just kind of, I think, um, at least for me, the culture was not about packing light. It was more about the preparedness side. And, and so uh, now I can see that contrast okay. a little more and I wouldn't have seen it when I was 12. For sure. Yeah. And we actually, that's kind of been uh, a little bit of a debate on our podcast. We had, we had some folks say kind of the same thing you did where it was like, yeah, I wish I knew to, to kind of pack less and that I wasn't required to bring so much. And then we had other folks say, Hey, that's not the kid's fault. That was the mom's fault for overpacking and essentially packing <laughs> all the fears into the pack. And so, and then the moms defended mm. saying, that's not our fault. We don't do that. So anyway, that's been an on- ongoing debate, but, um, <laughs> but I totally get where you're at. And I've seen, yeah. So hundred percent. All right. What's ne- what's the next thing you wish you knew? I- yeah. Something I wish I would have known earlier before I started backpacking was how much backpacking would change our family, just our children, Mm -hmm. our relationship with them, their ability to be resilient, their strength, um, their independence. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of this we discovered as we went backpacking with our children, they developed these new skills new interests, new, uh, uh, personality traits just Hmm. emerged in them. Um, so it was amazing to see that. And so we started, um, I would say, let's see, our youngest, how old was he when we started six, maybe? Yeah. I would have uh-huh. to, math is hard. I don't know. I think he was <laughs> and our daughter. Six is a good age though. So yeah, it was a really great age because they could all carry their own packs. Um, and I don't know if I would have started them any earlier, but just the things mm-hmm. that we learned together as a family backpacking. I kind of wish we would have started earlier because it was so great to see them, uh, see just our whole family grow by backpacking together. Um, our daughter, right. she went off to college a couple of years ago and uh, she requested that we bring up her backpacking gear. Um, and so we got everything all together, everything she needed. And, Mm-hmm. She never really had a chance to go backpacking her first year, but her second year, she was just like in the commons area at school and mm-hmm. she had someone put a note in front of her that said, backpacking club, we meet this day and we're going on a trip mm. this weekend. And she was like, where did this come from? This is so <laughs> weird. Like it felt like it just dropped from the sky right into her lap. Um, anyway, <laughs> she ended up going on that backpacking trip. It was like five guys and I think she was the only girl on that yeah. trip. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but she had her own tent. She had all of her own gear and she felt 100% prepared for that trip. And uh, I was just really proud of her for actually yeah. going out on kind of her own without her family without her parents um and 
just kind of showing her independence and her strength through that experience. That is awesome. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's like the, like the standard right there is like that you've kind of brought them up doing something. And then when they strike out on their own doing, it, you know, okay, that stuck with them. That was like meaningful and important. So exactly. Yeah. And, uh, Josh, you one more? Yeah. I learned to question everything that I pack and everything that I do. Mm. Um, so okay. it, for example, when I was 12, I wore high topped leather boots. Uh, by the time mm, I was done right. being a teenager, I was in low top hiking shoes. But after we started the podcast, we got exposed to brands like zero shoes, <clears throat> these minimalist shoes. And before long, mm. we were hiking in minimalist sandals. And in fact, if we took <laughs> okay. a trip out on the Oregon coast, we might partially hike barefoot because the trail right. was so sandy and, and smooth. And, and so that shows an evolution in my thought process about what kind of footwear is required or, um, or ideal even for backpacking. And that has right. applied to so many other things in backpacking, like the tent. We mentioned that we tried uh, camping tentless. That was only, what, maybe two years ago that we first yeah. tried camping without a tent. And we're like, oh, Mm -hmm. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like one of the experiences right. was on the Alvard Playa, which is this um, just miles and miles of flat clay surface in South Central Oregon. Mm -hmm. You just roll out your sleeping bag there on the clay and then you lay back and you look up at the stars and you have this complete panorama of stars around you with no light pollution from any cities anywhere. Right. And to think of putting yourself inside a tent and depriving your, yourself of that panorama. Mm -hmm. uh, now I look back and say, why would I do that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so it's just this evolution. Um, I think uh, how we do our food was the same kind of thing. The idea that you could go stoveless. Oh, yeah. And that mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have to cook anything on the trail. That was a big evolution for me, too, because I love cooking at home. I love mm -hmm preparing meals and being creative in the kitchen. But on the trail, I love the idea of going stoveless and just eating something out of a bag or something that I just poured water into, just cold water. It's mm -hmm. it's brilliant and it really simplifies life on the trail. Interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of folks like the lightweight aspect of going stoveless and like you mentioned the simplification of it but mm -hmm. i haven't heard people that are really relishing the like oh i can't wait like dinner time let's pour some water into a bag <laughs> and have a cold meal <laughs> for like like i can see going stoveless and using like a campfire to you know and like a, a pan or a pot to cook something up but you you have to miss the the hot meal at the end of the day right i don't know there's one meal that i kept coming back to and it was just um dehydrated refried beans with mm -hmm. Fritos. And I loved that because it was something that I would normally eat at home. I love refried beans. And mm -hmm. so it was a real comfort food. Um, yeah. And it wasn't, I didn't feel deprived and I don't know, backpacking trips are so short that I think it's fine to go a few days without something hot. What's your average length trip? Would you say like how many nights out are you? Oh boy, probably three Okay. Three to, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, three to five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. With quite a few overnighters yeah, as well. Yeah. We've been packing in some overnighters because they're just easy and. And I'm more like you, Carl. Um, but to me, it was just like the realization that I could go stoveless that was important. Uh, but I really like having mm -hmm. that hot meal <laughs> for dinner. And so 
I only go stoveless <laughs> once in a while. So, yeah. I usually I'll bring a stove, even though Heather uh, has gone almost completely stoveless. Yeah. Yeah, and I think for me, like. I would strategize and say, okay, this trip, we're hammering the miles. We got to really, you know, lighten our load. I would be totally up for that. But if it was something where where it's more just, you know, an average length trip, I just want to enjoy it. Yeah, that'd be, that would be hard to convince me. I think I could be convinced to not bring the stove and fuel, but still bring the pan or pot to, to cook up stuff over a fire. But, um, but in terms of like analyzing the gear, like you mentioned, Josh, like there's a lot... Yeah, there's a lot to that. And I think that that's kind of, for me, part of the fun is trying to figure out, okay, this is great, but is there something I can do that makes it even better the next time in terms of what I'm bringing or what I can leave behind? And so I'm constantly analyzing like you are. So I'm with you. Yeah. Um, but also, like, I will leave a stove behind, but I will bring along my journal or I'll bring along art supplies. So I think it really is about priorities and what type of backpacker you are or what type right. of experience you want on the trail. 100% for sure. For sure. So, and that whole philosophy and thought process just bleeds over into lots of other areas of our lives. Uh, you know, the fact that we moved to this uh, house on two acres, where the house itself was quite a bit smaller than the house we moved out of, uh, mm -hmm. was a result of our backpacking experiences. I think where we had learned to kind of question what we really need, right? Pare down uh, and and reprioritize and decide what's really important to us and 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 look for those things and just kind of get rid of the stuff that's not truly important. No, hundred percent. And I mean, that's, I feel like I'm constantly getting rid of stuff out of our house as a result, because I'm like <laughs> that backpacker sort of view of things. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I've got some, some uh, just kind of like some podcast based questions for you. Um, you guys were, you know, you had a, a bunch of episodes and I'm sure a lot of different things came up you know, that you might have revealed or not revealed in the podcast. So you, you kind of put out some information or you put out, you know, your opinion on something. And a lot of times it just kind of flies under the radar. But every once in a while, something might pop up where it's like, wow, we just got a really strong reaction for something. So w was there anything that you kind of put out there that got maybe like a strong, strange or sort of unexpected reaction from any of your episodes? Yeah, the one that got the strangest reaction was our very first episode. And this was okay. an episode where we were trying to push the envelope or we were trying to like, you know, be shocking. <laughs> just putting something out there that I thought we could all agree on. And okay. the whole idea was that there are things that you can leave home that you don't have to bring with you, but that a lot of people are like, oh, you've got to bring your, you know, your Leatherman tool or you've got mm -hmm. to bring coffee or you have to bring, you know, these certain things that nobody would even think to leave home without. We just challenged mm -hmm. that and said, actually, you can leave those things home. And here's what will happen if you do. Did they challenge you in the Leatherman or was it, I, I could see them giving you feedback on the coffee for sure. It was the coffee. Yeah. People saying, what if they're crazy? Leave our coffee home. I mean, it's right. only an ounce or two. What are they thinking? <laughs> those Starbucks vias like those ones. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And what's funny about that too, is if it was your first episode, you're probably getting feedback on that for years right <laughs> yeah it would come up in itunes reviews and various places <laughs> like do you have any like podcast behind the scenes stories that just kind of stand out to you that maybe you, 
you haven't shared that um, were just kind of fun or interesting. I mean, this this is totally open-ended. You can go any direction you want with this one. Well, I mean, one that was kind of interesting. um, We had just recorded our lightning episode. It was one of our evergreen episodes. So the entire episode was dedicated to lightning and how to avoid it, how to, you know, uh, protect yourself and, you know, all these different things. And so lightning was on our mind that week, and we were leaving for a family trip from Oregon to Utah, which the entire trip that week was riddled with lightning storms. The very first one hit us oh, wow. as we were cowboy camping in the Albert Playa that Josh just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were seeing these huge flashes of light hitting the hill next to us. And I'm just thinking... Our lightning episode just came out this week. I am not <laughs> going to die this way. I am not. <laughs> so I really, I was like, am I going to sleep in the car or am I going to risk it and possibly be, you know, front page news? You know, backpacking podcaster dies of lightning strike right after lightning episode. <laughs> just, you know, it seemed appropriate. It seemed like the kind of thing I would die from. But right, uh, it ended up being okay. okay. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously you survived. Yeah, we usually. I feel like yeah, for our podcast, we go the opposite, where we encounter the problem and then try to explore it on yeah. the episode afterwards. Yeah, that's usually, that's usually, that's usually how, it how it goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, that's um, coincidental. Interesting. Um, okay. Any chance there's a, there's going to be a comeback and there's going to be like a number 215 and beyond or is, <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we talked about, should we do a COVID-19 mm. edition, you know, put out one episode right, just during right. this <laughs> rough time. But, uh, yeah, I think we, we've got, well, like we were talking about with, um, our friends, Ariane and yep. Scott, wait, yeah, mm-hmm. Scott, that, we kind of have these different seasons in our life and Mm -hmm. different projects that kind of consume us for a while. And then sometimes we're ready to let those go. And so I don't know if we'll have a comeback, but, uh, yeah. Okay. We won't close the door to anything because (laughs) like, you know, never close the door. Oh, now you're really good. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'll I'll share this, the, uh, you know, like if you type the word backpacking into search engines for various podcast apps, like thankfully, or, or I guess, um, yeah, we've been blessed to have ours come up first for most, if not all the apps, except for the biggest one, which is yeah. Apple. And I don't know how they, they figured that one out, but <laughs> yours is like the first one that pops up and ours is like, like, you know, half of our logos on the page. We're like pretty far down the list there. And so for not even <laughs> recording and yours is still kind of first on the list, there's definitely, you know, you're obviously still, still getting downloaded and people are still, you know, checking in with you guys. So if you ever did do that, there'd be already a built-in audience, I guess, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, we can look at our stats and we see that uh, most of our listeners are still subscribed to our RSS feed. So if we were to put out another oh, okay. episode, uh, they would see it right away. Um, in fact, that's the biggest right. source of traffic on our website is just uh, podcast apps grabbing our RSS feed every day or hour <laughs> or whatever it is. They do. Yeah. Um, well, this has been good. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to yeah. pop on here and to renew your podcasting spirit. And I, I know that a lot of folks out there uh, will appreciate that. I had one guy specifically reach out and say, hey, you have to have these guys Aww. on. Like, this, this is how I started listening to Backpacking Podcasts. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. And um, we will catch up with you later. All right, thanks so much, Carl. Yeah, thank you. All right, my friend. There you go. It kind of felt 
more like a first 40 miles episode than a backpacking and blisters episode yeah uh it it had that feeling it had that feeling i, I yeah. i'm just gonna the, the vibe i get right away from these two and uh great interview by the way the the, the vibe right. i get is is just like salt of the earth people they're just salt of the mm. earth kind genuine oh yeah would would give you a bowl of soup if you were stranded out in the wilderness come and stay in our cabin or whatever kind just those right. kinds of people right so I, I really enjoyed the interview. Um, a lot of good little yep. little tidbits in there. Um, tidbits. I, I I enjoyed your little bit about the snacks. You know, what was your favorite snack? The Jelly Bellies. Mm-hmm. My question about the Jelly Bellies was she's like, I'm really good at determining if I'm right. Well, how do you mm-hmm. know you're right? It, like you, you grab a couple, you eat them. How do you know that you're right? Are you spitting them back out halfway through and looking at them? Like, what do you? How does she know that she's right? Is she looking at the package? I don't know. Yeah, so I'm gonna call her bluff. Well, on she that. said she, she she was not against having her kids confirm the color in her mouth. So, see, now I was I'm 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 on board with that. You need yeah. you need confirmation. Uh, but there's certain his, ones you just know right off the bat, right? Like you're getting black licorice. Like you don't need that checked. Right? Yeah. Yeah, everybody knows that. But there's a couple uh, that are just like I mentioned, like tutti frutti. Like that's just just you know just tastes like sugar. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really have a strong taste. So yeah. that one might need confirmation. Berry fruit punchy, you know. Yeah, all that stuff. So uh, his his curry cashews. Uh, I've tried those. Those are okay. those are those are palate awakeners. But you know, <laughs> uh, if that's what gets him going, then do it. Yeah. But and then you, you guys were talking about fears a little bit too. Like, what's the what's what are your fears? Um, right. I think I lean more towards his personal fear, obviously, of like the physical injuries and the and being stranded out there in the middle of you know the and maybe you're at the, at the halfway point and mm-hmm. something tragic happens. Or something. Right. I think that's a that's a legitimate fear. I think a lot of people should have uh, just a healthy respect of stuff that can happen. I think it right. keeps everybody a little bit more cautious. And then. Obviously, you sided with her. You get scared of the sounds in the tent. And, and you got a little you know, rustling of the leaves and the things like that. So I'm glad that you guys had something to relate to. You know, and, it's, you know uh, what's funny about that is, is I've been going back and forth with, you know, I've had even folks suggest like, hey, you should get one of those Garmin in reaches just, you know, for safety, especially when you're bringing kids. Mm-hmm. And it makes so much sense. But because they cost so much money, I can't pull the trigger on a $350 plus subscription fee item that I really don't mm. want to have in the first place that I just don't mm. want to carry or even learn how mm. to use. Like, it's just, I'm just like, ah. Uh. And so... So if you split that, I mean, if you split that between your family of four, uh-huh. you're saying that your family and yourself are not worth about, you know, less than $100. Right. It's not worth it to you. Correct. That's what you're saying. Correct. Okay. <laughs> just so we're clear. Um. I'd rather save $75 and die than... Okay. It's more, it's not, it's like half of it's the money. The other half is the hassle of like, you know, charging it and learning how to use it and being <laughs> responsible. With I it. bring one every trip. They, tr- they stay charged the whole trip. You don't have to. No, 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 it. I, no, no, not sure. Char- sorry. Not charging it on. It's just like, like as we, as we do more filming and just kind of other mm-hmm. ra- rando stuff on the trail, I feel like I'm bringing more and more electronics. And so before the trip, I have all these things plugged in. I'm like, what am I doing mm-hmm. here? You know, like we're going yeah. backpacking. I should have nothing plugged in and. I, feel I know. Like the older we get, the more stuff we're plugging in. So you you want to document, you want to film. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you didn't want to do that, you wouldn't have anything. Okay, except- well, let's talk about one of the things they mentioned. They mentioned the, the ham, ham radio, the ham radios. Yeah. So when they first mentioned that, 
I kind of. I thought he was joking. Yeah, was yeah, yeah. No, because when I think of ham radios, I think of like the full-on setup. You know, like the tabletop yes. setup from like right. the 1960s. Like, hey, breaker, breakers, right. anybody out there? Mm-hmm. And right. like, I'm like, are they talking about like frequency? You know, where they're like in a that the movie. Yeah, right. yeah. Communicate yeah. back into. Like, That's what I thought. Yeah. And so, so at first I thought, and then I'm like, no, no, no. They're they're talking about like the walkie talkies, right? Right, right, right. But is that maybe that's like a regional thing? Do people call the walkie talkies ham radios? I don't. I've never heard of that. Okay. I mean, maybe it's yeah, maybe it's a regional thing. I don't know. Well, because he when he started talking about, it, I'm like, he's joking. Yeah, I I grew quiet. I'm like, I'm gonna not make a fool of myself right here in case he's joking. <laughs> <laughs> or I don't want to make fun of something if he's being serious. <laughs> so, yeah. but I think that, so I just was like, I'm going to ask Derek about that later, but it sounds like you don't know either. I have no, I thought it was the real deal initially. And then okay. I was like, there's gotta be something he's referring to that I have. I just don't know. All right. Well, if anybody out there I mean, knows like ham radios, we're thinking tabletop setup and they did not bring that obviously. So what is going uh, on is a question. Yeah. What's up with the ham? Yeah. Um, yeah. So now I, I didn't know if you had a problem with her though. Cause she later on mentioned that, you know, she, she calms herself by listening to music. And I was, and I remember we had this conversation in a previous episode. You're like, I just don't understand like what people need to bring, like the headphones and the music. It's just like, why do you need like nature's out there for you to like, listen to like, why do you need music? You, you seem kind of like annoyed back in the day about the music thing. And then yeah. here she is. I listen to music to, you know, calm myself down and find my center. <laughs> and then I'm like, how's Carl going to dig himself out of this one? I don't know. Yeah. But you, you, you we know. Could, dude, we, we disagree with a lot of folks out there. And, and I don't know how she listens to music. You listen to music. You, sometimes you'll go earbuds in, but sometimes it'll mm-hmm. just blast it for the world to hear. Like, I want everybody to hear Enya right now and so i'm gonna walk okay, around I don't, no. <laughs> whoa no Enya. i think the one time i brought a portable speaker i played lord of the rings as you guys were walking by me yeah and i think everybody liked that except for me <laughs> you didn't like lord of the rings there's something wrong no with i like lord of the rings probably. music i just didn't okay. like that you're forcing music upon us when we're trying to have a conversation <laughs> <laughs> uh when the conversations get awkward sometimes you just need that icebreaker yeah but um uh, Aside from the radio, it sounds like we're having some different reactions to this interview. Let me ask you this. Uh, they So the, their whole podcast was based on the Timberline Trail in Oregon, which goes around Mount Hood, which is about 40 miles long. Right. Uh, do you have any interest in doing that trail? Um, that sounds like fun. I mean, it's a new okay. trail. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. It definitely. Yeah, it'd be one of those we'd, we'd all have to fly into, fly into Portland. It's one of those where uh, permits are not hard to get. Like, you just go and you sign up at the trailhead. And away you go. But but there's a lot of different access points. And because permits aren't hard to get and the access points, I think it's pretty crowded. Oh, is it really? But it's beautiful. It's it's amazingly beautiful. And I think some of the, the I think you would like some of the you know challenging stream crossings and stuff. Stream <laughs> stream crossings. Okay. Well, hey, I'm on, I'm yeah. on board. I think I know we like to try to get away from all the people though, usually. Um right. I liked I like that they did mention something with uh you know, they, they were talking about safety in numbers and they felt, you know, safer when they had, you know, a lot of people in numbers and blah, blah, blah. I felt like for our group, though, safety numbers is not a thing for us. Um, okay. I, th- I feel like for our group, it's more like... Like you, like you don't feel safe with more people. I don't think that's our priority. I think that oh. even when we had in Glacier National, there's bears around, like people were still breaking off into like twos and, you know, what do they say? Like a minimum, oh, a minimum oh, fours, oh, right? Oh. And, I, and then I realized something. I said, it doesn't matter. 
if they're by themselves mm-hmm. in our group, it doesn't matter if we're all together. I think our safety is in calories because I think the more, as long as we have enough food, we, we feel, I think our group members feel like they can get through anything. Like if you took away the food. They feel, okay, they feel that way. Yeah. yeah, if you took away their food and took away their calories, then I think we'd have, mm-hmm. I think we'd have more problems. Yes. Do we feel safe in numbers? I don't know that we have anybody. I don't know that we have anybody that that really feels threatened. Part of it could just be that, you know, we have that like some of the newer folks have gone with more experienced folks. They're kind of just falling in line and then they sort of get used to that over the years. Mm. But um, I think that's going to be challenging. We'll we'll see because we're going to go through a section this summer, which is kind of known for snakes. Like I'm going to guarantee that we're going to see a rattlesnake. Ooh. And we'll see how people, you know, if people have a, gen, like a lot of folks like fear snakes. So we'll see how they do in that. That'll be interesting. I'm excited as well. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Another thought that I had was, um, they, in their first episode, they talked about how they had their controversial statement of just like, you know, you know, shave some weight, leave the coffee behind, right. you know? Right. And they got a, obviously a strong reaction to that. So here's my question to you. What's been your biggest controversial statement this season. <laughs> and I want you to rank the coffee statement with that. Like, is, is their coffee statement like more controversial or less controversial than, than some of the things that you have said this, this season? So I'll give you a couple examples, all right? Uh, things that you said that are controversial mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. Um, Osprey, of course, being the budget what? here, budget backpack. Uh-huh. Um, sleeping pads can fly out of trailers. Bigfoot is fake. <laughs> <laughs> and of course uh, when you said the Loch Ness Monster is real so. I, whoa, whoa, whoa I said it that's not what I said get out of here <laughs> making that up uh, I like how you slipped that in there. that was good didn't think I'd catch that one um, oh wow I would say when you're I, I think theirs is probably the worst and I, I say that objectively <laughs> because if you're telling people <laughs> knowing that people's uh, go-to in the morning to survive is coffee, and you're taking that away? Yeah. Like, that's, I mean, you're going to have a big right. reaction to that. I'm sorry. Okay. You might, you might, like, it's funny that you're like, no, there's worse than all of mine. <laughs> but you might, you might actually be right about that. Okay. It's coffee. So now, man. if you're putting, yeah. okay, so if you're putting coffee up there as, like, number one most controversial statement out of all that, all those, now we'll add one of mine in. Mm, mm. Buffs are dumb. So Buffs are now dumb. where are we at? <laughs> Somebody actually told me the other day to get a buff and wear it. I thought of you. I was like, maybe I will. Uh, buffs, who told you that? What? Who? Who would? Under what circumstances that? Happen? Uh, what, what I so I have a I had a, a procedure done and I have like a bruise on my neck. It's like a big bruise, and so like you know okay. you know what you should do. You don't need to wear a jacket. Oh. You should just get a buff and wear a buff. You'll be fine. Wow. And I said, wow. Okay. Maybe I will. So um, yeah. buffs are dumb. I'm going to rank that as number two because I think that's... Okay. Uh, the coffee thing is more... Yeah, coffee is like... I mean, think about how huge coffee is worldwide. Yeah. What percentage of backpackers has some sort of coffee set up or brings like the Starbucks vias? like? Ooh. On a, on, what percentage do you think on the trail i don't know I, I, yeah i don't even drink coffee so i i don't have the best guess but i want to say i'd be surprised if like i wouldn't be surprised if like 60 to 70 percent of backpackers 
yeah I'm, I'm totally I'm, I'm thinking like 75 percent. yeah that's 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 my prediction two-thirds but have to have some yeah. type of coffee two-thirds of three-quarters yeah so i think you could be right about that so they said that their first episode and then their podcast flourished took off after that so maybe we really? gotta say more ridiculous stuff like that yes we got we should more ridiculous stuff is that possible we should have tapped the coffee market maybe that was the problem yeah interesting <laughs> that's that's true Bummer. too I, I did like that the one 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 other thing I wanted to mention about the interview was uh, that I thought it was really cool that they they were talking about like how they realized they didn't need a lot of stuff and they, they were they talking about like downsizing their their house or something like yeah. that right? I thought I was like that yep. takes a really uh, you know just special type of people to realize that you know and do that and follow through with that and then like change your lifestyle mm-hmm. I just I really admired that I thought that was really neat they were great we. We ended up talking for a lot longer than we had for the, you know, what we included in the interview. And it was awesome. Just great conversation, great folks. And like you said, very authentic and genuine. So, yeah. So we really appreciate them coming on our show. Um, Hopefully the folks that, you know, started with listening with them or still listening to them, hopefully that was valuable and worth their time. So before Mm. we jump into the uh, next segment of our podcast, I just got a quick update for you. We remember like a few episodes back, I forget which episode it was, but we... We uh, got a hold of some of those um, shirts, Indeed. the American Backcountry yeah. shirts. We got a chance to try those out. And then I said, I, I like these. I'm going to ask them if they'll send us a, a few more and then we'll right. plug them on our podcast. And so so they did. They sent us a couple more. It was pretty nice of them. So we are not going to do, because that interview went so long, we're not going to do our trivia this episode, <gasps> but we do have tidbits. Oh, okay. Saved by tidbits. We, everybody... Everybody held their breath when you said no trivia. But. I know. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. 
when you're ready for your next system. Log on to MidwayUSA.com. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, first tidbit I've got is kind of relates to a previous tidbit. Do you remember the one where uh, Todd sent us the MP3 about like boiling water and pouring it into a plastic bag to rehydrate food? Remember that one? Yes. Okay. Yes. So we yes. put that out there. I forget what episode that was. Two episodes ago. Um, and then within the week, I got a magazine, uh, Consumer Reports, and on the cover, it says. Something like, do you know that you eat a credit card's size worth of plastic every week? Really? Any thoughts about like where we're consuming plastic from? Hmm. Is it like, would it be like the microplastic breakdowns in your, you know, water bottles? In what? Water bottles. Um, yeah, water bottles is definitely on there. Ziploc bags and stuff like that? Um, not the Ziploc bags. Fish. Much. I'm going to say fish. That's what I thought. That was my first thought was fish. Like, oh, all the microplastics yeah. that fish... Right. Um, but that was that wasn't on the list. It was just yeah. It was just from like you know food wrappers and water bottles were kind of the the biggie. There's a few other ones on there if you're really interested in where your your plastic right. consumption is. And I thought I bet if you're <laughs> boiling water into a plastic bag, that is not helping. So no. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of funny, funny that that came out within the week of of us airing that episode. Um, wow. And then I have another magazine related one. Um, I was reading Reader's Digest. Do you ever read that magazine? I used to, okay. not anymore. It, that was my grandpa did that. So if, you know, you're in that realm. That's good. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, we get grandma who lives close by gives us her her extra magazines, and that's one of them. And I actually really like Reader's Digest. So right. they've got a lot of fun, yeah, kind of fun stories in there. Anyway, so they had a story about how somebody that was river rafting, like the water level was too high and they got like kind of caught above a waterfall and they were trying to survive. And so they sent a message in a bottle downstream to get help and it worked. Mm-hmm. And so what really? kind of bottle did they use? Mm. A Nalgene bottle. Nalgene? Nalgene bottle. Yeah. Mm. So a Nalgene bottle actually, and they're used for Nalgene, saved some people's lives. How can you knock it now? How can I don't, you knock I, yeah, it? I guess I can't. River rafting, not backpacking, but yeah, kind of no. funny. So, there you go. So two magazine connections there. That's insane. I got, I got two more tidbits. Next one, we got an we got an MP3 from Jared. Backpacking blisters. This is Jared calling in, ringing in, MP3 and in. I um, just got done listening to the wallet episode, and I knew where Carl was going with this, and Derek. I loved your explanation of the wallet case on the cell phone on the trail because that's exactly what I had on the FKT. It was not a full-sized wallet. It was my cell phone with a couple credit cards in the back. Second of all, I was the last person to look in Bill's trailer. Everyone else is putting their pack on. I already have mine on, and I rolled up the brown tarp with Bill. There was no sleeping pad. There was no sleeping pad there. Also, the Relay album that was released this week, amazing. Love, Little Miss Lonely. Thanks, Derek. You're awesome. All right. What do you think about that? I think Jared knows, you know, what's up. I mean, what else, what else can you say? You know, well done, sir. Well done. I'm well, glad you well like the done. music. I'm glad he likes the music. Uh, the sleeping mat is always going to be uh, a mystery to everybody except me. 
and <laughs> the what was the other thing we were talking about? Oh, the um, the, the wallet. wallet, the follet. Yeah. We call it the follet. It's the phone okay. wallet. I mean, I don't really know how you mock him when he has what I have, and it it works, <laughs> it just works. Uh, so you can go back to the video. And see, it looks like he just has a regular wallet. It doesn't look like he has a phone wallet. He was supposed to bring his phone for filming purposes right. on the FKT attempt last summer. Sure. And so in the video, I made fun of him for bringing his wallet and then carrying it in his back pocket. It actually makes sense if his phone's in his back pocket. But I made fun of him then, and then I think I pointed it out on a recent podcast episode on the wallet one, like, hey, you know, like you don't need to carry your wallet with you. And right. so that was all the, you know, like we're talking whatever 10 months later now he's like oh that wasn't a wallet like that was a phone so why did he wait why did he wait 10 months to correct me is the question guilt 10 months you think it's guilt you know guilt (laughs) i don't know i don't know what it is but he seemed very adamant about it you know what you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna believe him at face value whether or not everybody believes me about i'm not saying that it's up to them believe him i'm just wondering why he waited 10 months to correct me Maybe he doesn't over obsess about these little things like you and me. You know what I mean? Maybe he's just yeah. like, you know what? I'm gonna. It's not even worth it. Yeah, that's pressure actually. Okay, good point. Yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> he's he's normal. Right. We need therapy. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true as well. Uh, last one I got is, oh man, I've got a. I'll try to include this in the, on the Facebook post, but we have our good friend from Texas. Camel Cud, he has already crafted a Snickers necklace. Yes. And yeah. he took a picture of it. And I remember I remember I called him out on the fact that he wanted to use like the mini Snickers. He's like, How do you put these together with the mini Snickers? Right. So he did not use the mini Snickers. He he used I think he used the fun size Snickers. Mm-hmm. So he upgraded. Mm-hmm. And he said he's gonna send it to us. Yeah. He's gonna send us the Snickers necklace. So here's my question to you is yeah. If I have access to a Snickers necklace with, you know, essentially like a little bit less than two months to go with our, with our big backpacking trip in July, are the Snickers going to last until then? Like, will they keep? Did he? No, no, no. Like, will I be able to withstand eating them? You? Um, yeah. I don't. That's a great question. You have low self-control. So, I don't know. I right. mean, I think right. maybe. I think once you open one, there it's, it's going to be done. But then again, <laughs> but then again, I think that you love the whole idea of this thing and you maybe want to see it through to fruition. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that's the case. I'm hoping that all you right, have five days, f- five days. Would you say over or under five days, all the Snickers are consumed? <sighs> I'm going to say over. I believe in you. Yeah. Really? I don't know. If, okay. I don't know if you'll make it to the trip, but over five days, I think you'll make it over five days. Well, if I don't make it to the trip, I will honor the Snickers necklace and bring extra Snickers and have our resident boy scout, Eagle scout craft, one on on the trail so mm. um so yeah. pretty fun stuff thanks for that and thanks again to the first 40 miles podcast Huge. we really appreciate you guys coming on that's all i got so gang uh we are out of here and i want you to keep note mark the uh date next week is season finale uh we will be wrapping up with a big show and we'll surprise you with that and we also will have our summer shows coming out once, possibly twice a month. Um, so keep an ear out for those as well. We will see you next time. And remember, guys, if uh, you want to bring coffee on the trip, you better make sure you have a good setup because Carl's going to take it. I want to fly.
Okay, you guys remember that the Jelly Belly challenge that Heather was talking about on the trail? Well, let me tell you something, okay? You don't need... I got my own challenge for you. You want, you want to bring a Jelly Belly challenge. You don't even need to bring Jelly Bellies, okay? Because Carl's belly is full of jelly, and that's the challenge right there. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.